Did you have a good Thanksgiving? You look well fed, that's all I can say. Um, Welcome to any of you who are here for the first time, a special welcome to you guys. And of course, for those that are streaming online right now, I know there's many people who are out of town visiting family. It's always good to visit family. Welcome, and uh, I hope you enjoy today. I had a good Thanksgiving myself. And in fact, what I did was I made myself a Thanksgiving sandwich. By the end of this teaching, I hope that you're all going to be hungry, right? Who loves leftovers? Don't you love leftovers? I love leftovers. You know why I love leftovers? It seems because the food marinates, doesn't it? It's like on the first day, it's okay. But by the second day, it's like all the flavors have just melted together and they've marinated together. I'm sorry, they've marinated together in America. And I think that's what you say. And here I've got myself some turkey here right in the middle. And I've got myself some stuffing. And oh, I put some sweet potato pie just in there. A little zinger, you know what I'm saying? Hey, you're not talking about it, right? And then, of course, you've got some cranberry in there as well. Telling you, having a Thanksgiving sandwich the next day, that is the bomb. That's the way to live right here. Am I right? Let's just finish this teaching right now and eat this sandwich together. But the second reason why I love eating leftovers is because it saves money, right? Am I right? It's like you're eating, yes, it's like anyone saying amen to that one right now. It's like you're eating yesterday's food. It's not today's food, it's yesterday's food and you're getting double the food. That's what it feels like. That's why I love Thanksgiving. But what I think is, I actually think that God forgot the 11th commandment, which is thou shalt not eat someone else's leftovers. Am I right? That's the way it goes. When Crystal and I first got married, our first argument was actually over food. Right? And, so, and so when we were arguing over food, I had made this meal and stuff and she hadn't finished her food and I had finished my food. And I said, why are you not finishing your food? And she said, because I was taught that if you, if you eat all your food and you, you go beyond your own hunger, then you're going into gluttony. And I said, well, when I grew up, I was taught in such a way that you had to finish everything on your plate because you show respect for the food that's been given to you and you show the respect to the person that made the food. And that's how you show respect by cleaning your plate. Who's with me on that one? Yes, amen. I won't ask who's with Crystal. I told you I was right. 17 years, I've been waiting for that. I want to talk about a Thanksgiving sandwich because recently, of course, we've been talking about Thanksgiving. And recently, I, um, I, uh, I was reading First Thessalonians. And when you're reading 1 Thessalonians, you always have to read everything in context to figure out what is he talking about. And when I was reading this, I looked at this and I realized it was like a Thanksgiving sandwich right in the middle of the scripture. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to read the last couple of paragraphs in 1 Thessalonians that is like a summation of what everything he had just said. It's like the way he is ending his first letter to the Thessalonians. So here we go. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 12 to 22. Now we ask you, brothers, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive, encourage the disheartened, help the weak, be patient with everyone, make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong. 
but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And do not quench the spirit, do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all, hold on to what is good and reject every kind of evil. Thanks be to God. When Paul was writing this letter to the Thessalonians, he was writing to a church that was a brand new church. He had just planted it a couple of years ago. So they were all new to this whole faith thing. But as soon as he had planted it, he was going, under, he was going through some persecution. And he had to leave. And so years later, he here gets an update of what's going on at the church. And it turns out they were driving each other nuts, right? It sounds like any normal church in America, right? They were driving each other nuts, so he had to write them a letter to encourage them how to live this Christian path. And when he was writing to them, he brought up the two fundamental commands that Christ has given to us. Now, he didn't say it directly in this letter, but he absolutely is referring to these two fundamental commands. What are they? Well, Jesus told us in Matthew 22, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment, he said. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. You see, we weren't just given 10 commandments, but they went on to actually create about 30,000 rules and regulations of how you should live with each other and with God. Remember, everything that we are commanded to do is about skills and abilities to live with other people and to live with God. These are the two fundamental things in our lives. And what Jesus has done is he takes it and he says, you know what, just, just get rid of all that stuff and distill it down into two simple things, how you love God and how you love each other. It doesn't mean he made it easy, he just made it simplified. In fact, Paul later on, when he was writing to another church, he even said the same thing. And he said, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. It's great that he has told us that we should love each other, just as Jesus said. And it's great that he's telling us how we should love God as well, just as Jesus said. But here's the problem for us Christians. How do you love each other? How is it you go about doing it? Especially when it's difficult. We're not told to love those that are lovable. We're told to just love each other. Jesus even said it later on. He said, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. Well, as I was reading through Thessalonians, this is where I saw this sandwich going on. Let me show you this quickly. Here's the sandwich that's going on. First Thessalonians, the first paragraph, he gives this whole chunk about how we should treat each other. And then on the bottom, we see this other paragraph, which is how we should connect with God, how we should love God. But right in the middle is where he puts this meat right in the middle of the whole thing. Because he's talking about how you should treat each other, how you should love each other. And then he jumps over to how you should love God. But he stops before he goes to that by talking about thanksgiving, by talking about something that had very little to do with what he had just talked about, which tells me he's putting some key or meat right in the middle of this. And we're going to get to that. Because what I want to do is I want to go through them one by one right here. So let's look at the top layer. 
how to love each other. It says this, Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. He's saying how we should love our leaders. Then he goes on and says this, And we urge you, we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive. That's the pain in the butt, people. Encourage the disheartened, help the weak, be patient with everyone, and make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. Here's the two problems that were going on in that church at that time. They were so excited about their faith, and they were so excited about the imminent return of Jesus that some of them decided to give up their jobs. They gave up their responsibilities. They gave up the things that they were doing in order to look after their family and they were becoming a burden to other people. And yet there was other ones who were in the faith and in the church and they were like, you know what? This whole Jesus thing's not working out for me. I don't know if he's coming back. I don't know if I wanna really be in this church anymore. I just don't feel like I've got a place here anymore. And they were starting to back away in their passion and in their fire for being with the body of Christ. And so he was writing to these two specific problems, and then he brings up the three people problems that seem to have been in this church. The first one is this, irritants. Have you got anybody in, this, in, in a church or in this church that you've been ever irritated with? Anyone? Anyone? Could you point to them right now so we could just uh, kick them out of the church right now? That'd be great, right? Oh, someone did point. Okay, uh, yeah, I saw that one. Uh, it was your dad. That's all right. Uh, good luck with that one. Okay, so there's always going to be irritating people in the church. That's the way it is. We're not looking for perfect people because Jesus didn't die for perfect people. He died for imperfect people who are going through a process of restoration and change. The second group of people that were in the church were those who were injured, those who've been hurt, those who've been offended, those who are just kind of like, I don't, I don't know, I just, I'm, I'm just, I just, I don't want to hang out with those people anymore because they just, they really have hurt me and they're irritated me. And then they start feeling hurt and they're weak, they're disheartened, it said. And then the third group of people is the ones who are committing infractions where they are actually sinning against each other. But the problem when you have people problems in your church, the problem that when this distills or marinates in your relationships, it creates this next thing. It makes you drained and discouraged. And when you're drained and you're discouraged, you lose your passion for faith. You lose your joy of the Spirit. And when you're drained and discouraged, the next step that people take is we start to cut ourselves off from those that we think have been the root cause of draining and discouraging us. But let me tell you this, you're always going to have people who are going to be the sucking sound in your life. Sucking sound in your life. There is no getting rid of those, especially in the church especially in the body of Christ, especially in your own family. The fact is, God has put us together for a reason to clean us up and to make us ready for the time that Christ will actually return to us. But are we ready? Are we so affected? Are we so impacted by the people that are around us who are discouraging us or disappointing us or draining us of our energy? Listen, this is why later on we're gonna look at that key that Paul, that Paul told them of how to handle the discouraging, draining, uh, sucking sound that can come from relationships with other people. 
The problem is, is when we start withdrawing ourselves from each other, we are now starting to play into the tactics of the enemy, which is two ways. There's two ways, listen now. Two ways the enemy goes about trying to destroy our faith. The first one is this. He divides us away from the church or he divides us in the church. You see, he already did that in the beginning. He already did it with Eve when he took Eve off by her side, uh, off her side and just had her uh, uh, separated away from her husband, separated away from walking with God and decided to talk to her alone, separated away from relationships. And even when they came back into relationship, there was a division that was going on between them both. The same tactics exist. That's what the enemy does. He wants to make us become separated from each other. How can we fulfill the command of Jesus Christ to love one another if we're not together? Hello? How can we fulfill the greatest command that Christ has given us to love one another if we're not even together? It's very important for us to understand that there are three ways that God actually reveals himself. Listen now. He shows us through his word he shows us through the Holy Spirit and he speaks to us through each other. You see, the fact is God has chosen that person who's beside you to speak to you through. But this takes us to the next thing, which is how we love God. And Paul says this, do not quench the Spirit, do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good and reject every kind of evil. How were they quenching the Spirit? Well, I believe they were quenching the Spirit by cutting other people out of their life. Now, I'm not saying you should fill your life up with people who are just going to bring you down. But the fact is, we still have to be in other people's lives. And it's easy to start cutting people out of our lives, cutting church people out of our life, cutting churches out of our life because they're just too much of a problem for me. How do I know that it was quenching the spirit this way? Because he says, do not treat prophecies with contempt. Listen, what is a prophecy? But a prophecy is the way that God chooses to speak to you through a person. Hello? That's all a prophecy is. A prophecy isn't that they can hear angels singing and everything's wonderful and I'll hear Jesus speaking to me in the heavenlies and just in the spirit and I'll be taken up into the third heaven. No, a prophecy is when God chooses the person right beside you to speak to you through that imperfect person. Do you know the problem with imperfect people? They're imperfect. That's the problem. He says, do not treat the words that I'm giving you with contempt, meaning push them away, hate them, treat them badly. Do not treat the words that I'm giving you through this imperfect person with such contempt, but test them all. What that means is this. It means don't, 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 just, eat, don't just eat the whole chicken. See, when you were doing your Thanksgiving, right, and someone was carving the turkey, they were carving the turkey, and they were taking the meat off of the bones. You see, I have to even, you even have to consider that there is times when I am speaking that you've got to decide which part's the meat and which part's the bones. You see, when I've gone off and I've spent time with God and I've been studying all week and I've been praying and I've been asking God for a word, you know, for to show what word do you want me to bring to the church? Notice I didn't say fasting, okay, because it was Thanksgiving's week, right? So I was praying and I was asking God for a word and then I bring this word on the Sunday morning and I plop it in front of you. Listen, there's bones in there. Why? Because I am the bone. I am Peter Brunton. Some of it's God and some of it's Peter. I know that they look exactly the same sometimes, but the fact is God is the meat and I am the bones. When you're eating meat, you have to take out the bones or what can happen to you? You choke. 
You can die because you're choking on the actions or the words or the opinions of your brother and your sister. We can't afford to be choking on the bones of other people. Why? Because then we separate ourselves from them. We stop living out of our faith. Years ago when I was a kid, my my father uh, started a church with uh, this guy who was his right-hand man. And and I, and I used to love this man. I, you know, he was, he was in my life for, for, for years until about 15 years later, it turned out my father had discovered that he started, listen now, he had been meeting with young men on the side for rendezvous, for relationships. And it devastated my dad. He couldn't believe that his right-hand man had been living a double life and cheating on his marriage. And so he had to deal with them. He had to step them down from relationships. He had to, sorry, step them down from uh, uh, leadership and had to, had to control his relationships in the church to not affect other people. And my father wasn't the type of man where he would broadcast another person's sin because he's more about covering over someone's sin, not, not covering up someone's sin, but covering over someone's sin. And it turned out that people looked at my father treating uh, his right-hand man in this way and thought my father had lost the plot and that he was treating him badly, but they didn't know the sin that this man had been in. And my father couldn't afford to just go, well, it's not my fault, it's his fault, and then show anger and show, and show bitterness in the whole situation. He still had to maintain his joy in every situation he was in. Why am I telling you this? I'm telling you this because someone else's sin is not permission for you to walk away from your faith. Hello? Someone else's sin is not permission for you to walk away from your faith that partly comes through your relationship with the body of Christ. You see, if my father had walked away from the body of Christ, if he had become so discouraged with what his right-hand man had done, if he had decided to not work out and to, to work out his faith and to work with other people in the body of Christ, who would that have impacted but me? You see, if I see my father's habits walking away from difficult times, then I'm going to repeat that as well. What small eyes are watching you in your life right now? What eyes are upon you that is looking to see how you respond to difficult situations? And it's not just your children, it's other people who are young in the faith. And here's Paul writing to people who are young in the faith and he's telling them, listen, I know it's difficult. I know you've got problematic people in your family and in your church and in the community. I know that the command of Christ is to love one another, but that's not the end of the story. The end of the story is that you still have to stay in this. You don't get to to walk away from it. You've got to keep on keeping on. When I was a a young teenager, I remember at Christmas time, there was... um uh, the royal family usually comes on TV and, you know, and they'll, they'll often give like a, a, a national uh, speech about, you know, state, you call it state of the union, we're like state of the kingdom. And, uh, and they kind of just, you know, give, give the, their blessings upon the nation. We all gather around the TV and we watch the queen on TV. But around about this time, one particular year, it came out, another piece of news came out that the queen's mother, which was the other queen before her, she had been eating dinner and had been eating chicken and choked on a bone when she was eating chicken. Of course, when that came out, it was like everyone was up in arms and, and I can vividly remember it because I always remember having this picture in my head of this old lady sitting at the, you know, sitting at the table with her, with her crown you know, f- partly falling off like this, going, oh, 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 like that. And you can see someone coming over, giving the Heimlein maneuver, 
like that. And she had to be taken off to hospital. And I remember having that picture in my head thinking, wow, not even the queen is immune to bones. Listen, it doesn't matter how long you've been in the faith. It doesn't matter what position you hold, what authority you have, what honour you, 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 you carry in your life. You're still subject to the bones that can choke you. Why? Because you're still living and loving the people who are imperfect people and God's gonna use them to also speak to you. What a difficult calling we have. You see, even though that Jesus distilled this down into two simple commands, it doesn't mean he made it any easier. But thanks be to God that Paul gives us this key to help us to keep on loving each other and loving God. What's that key? We're right in the middle, right there, the meat part, right in the middle of the sandwich is where he says this, rejoice always, Pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now listen, you are basically the turkey in the middle of a sandwich, right? You're the turkey. By the end of this teaching, I'm gonna give you permission to go up to people and tell them they're a big fat turkey, right? You're the turkey in the middle of a sandwich. You're stuck in the middle of people and with God. You're the flavor in the whole situation. You're the one who decides how you respond to this situation. Listen, it'd be easy to go, you know what? I just, I don't like my church family or I don't like my actual family and I don't wanna hang around with them anymore. They make me feel bad about myself. They're irritating me. They're offending me. Hey, Jesus, can we just go off and skip through the tulip fields and we'll go and pretend we'll just have a wonderful time with each other and then you go skipping off with Jesus together in the, in the, into the fields thinking we'll just worship together and we'll have an awesome relationship together, Jesus. But Jesus is standing there going, this is the people I want you to work with. This is the ones I'm trying to reach. I want to show them my love. Let me tell you how I'm going to do it. Love one another as I have loved you. It's not love me as I have loved you. Jesus didn't say that. He said love one another as I have loved you. So you can go skipping through the tulip fields off by yourself and Jesus is still going to stand there and go, I'll just wait, I'll wait, I'm right here. Until we look back and see that Jesus is still standing in the middle of his body. Through the power of the Spirit, Jesus manifests himself through the body of Christ. Can I hear a hallelujah or an amen? Thanks be to God that he has not abandoned his body because if he did, I would be the first reason why he should abandon the body. I'm the one he should leave the body for. You're the one he should leave the body for. But he decided not to leave the body, but to glorify us, to cover us up, to cover over our sins, to take away our nakedness. He wants to take away your nakedness and he wants you to do the same thing for other people who are in sin and help them to take away their nakedness too. Hello. God has called us to be the vessels for this very thing. We went away recently down to uh, a camping place with a family last week, <clears throat> last weekend. And uh, it, was, it was a great place, you know, we were all camping there and they had horses you could ride and they had climbing walls and, and they had zip lines and rodeos and, and lots of fun for the kids. It was great, there was something for everybody, even Pastor Mark, right? And so, <clears throat> and, and it was just, it was, it, was, it was great. Everybody had a great time. And as we were leaving, I was sitting in the car 
and I was sitting in the driver's seat right there, and I hear my daughter say this, Kale's got a phone, why don't I have a phone? Right? Something inside of me went like this. Why? Why was I so quick to have that response? Because when she said it, all I could see was the context that she was in. The, 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 the experience that we had just had, the joy, the blessings that I had brought to her life and all she could think of is what she didn't have right now in this moment. I wonder if sometimes if you're driving down the road and you're in the back and God is at the, the driver's seat and when you got up in the morning, you went, you know what, I don't have God. I don't have everything that I really want to have in my life. I don't have the job that I really wish I had. I don't have those skills. I'm just not promoted as much as I should do. I don't think I'm making the money that I want. And I wonder if God's fingers are starting to wrap around that steering wheel and go, because he feels the frustration. And I know maybe God doesn't get frustrated, but I do know that he gets angry. And sometimes he can hear us say things and respond in such a way that he feels the ingratitude of what we have inside of us, especially in light of all the good things that he has actually given us. But look at this. It says, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Why does he say that? Because there's a difference between the will and the command of God. The command is something he is telling you to do because he's already done it himself and he's giving it to you. You see, a command is where something that you have to be obedient to. The will is something that you choose to do. And when we look at this, we know this, that thanks is the only thing that we can give God that he didn't first already give to us. You see, he gave you praise, a new song in your heart, and so he can command you to sing. Why? Because he put the song in your heart. He gave you his love, and he can command you to love because he gave you the love and you're meant to give it. But he doesn't give us thanks. It's the only thing that God didn't give us that we can give to him. And that's all it takes. And I believe that what Paul was doing right here is he was saying, listen, you want to survive the people that are in your life? You want to be able to survive the church that you're a part of, the family that you're a part of, the business that you're a part of? Let me tell you how to do it. It's really easy. In each circumstance that you find yourself, praise his name. Listen, if anybody had the right to tell us this, surely it was Paul, who was persecuted, who was abandoned, who was betrayed by his brothers, who was whipped and beaten, who was put in a shipwreck, who still traveled the world. And he said, I have found the secret. I found the secret of whether I am in want or I am in plenty. And that is to be contented with what I've been given to be thankful for what I have been given. And I think we have the opportunity to say like the psalmist said, that I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts with? Listen now, it's not I will get into Sunday morning and into the Holy of Holies and suddenly I'll come up with a song. No, 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 no. It's before you get to the gates. And so you can hear the psalmist going, I'm going to praise the God, yeah. I'm going to praise Him. I'm going to everything I've got. Just making the song up right now, okay? And then he suddenly gets up to the gate and God hears him before he sees him. Is God hearing you before he sees you? Hello? Is God hearing you before he sees you? Is the Father hearing you before he sees you? 
I want you to see how important this is, that if we want the pleasure of the Father upon us, if we want to know what it is to feel the love of Christ and to be able to handle giving love to other people, we have to enter his gates with thanksgiving in our heart. Paul has given us the key here. Give joyfully. What is it he said? I can't remember. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. <clears throat> Thankfulness readies and protects you for the work of God. He's not about to remove you from the calling of Christ. He's not about to remove you from the mission field. He's not about to remove you from your job or your family because that's your mission field. But to be ready to be able to handle the things that he is telling us to do, something's got to be different in our hearts. Let's stand this morning as we finish and close. Father, we know that you have trapped us between two layers, between the people around us and between yourself. And you have placed us right in the middle. And Lord, we ask for your forgiveness if we have been a bitter sandwich for people, if we have been a bitter presence for you. We brought you sacrifices of praise and you started to eat them and it was bitter to you. Father, we want to bring you sacrifices of joy, sacrifices of blessing. We want to bring joy to you, Lord, in each circumstance that we find ourselves. And so Father, we thank you that you remind us of all the great things that you've given to us. You gave me my wife. You gave me my husband. You gave me my children. I have a future wife or a future husband that you're gonna give to me and I bless you for that person before they come along. You gave me my joy. You gave me my sustenance. You gave me my job. You gave me the person that stands right beside me right now. You gave me this wonderful country. You gave me this place. And Father, I don't want to be sitting in the back seat complaining that I don't have something else. Father, I pray that you would help us to let that song of praise rise up within us and come out and overflow. And we say, thank you, Lord. So I want you to repeat after me. Today, Father, I bring you thanks. With a heart full of praise, I shout out, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for what you have given me, regardless of what's going on. And in each circumstance that I find myself, I will praise your name. Father, I pray that you would bless every person this morning and that right now, right here, you fill them up with your spirit once again. We've come as your children to be reminded of your way and to be once again empowered to do your work. So start from our feet and fill it up, oh God. Let it go up, 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 up to the top, Father. And then overflow, Father, that everything that comes out of our mouths is joy and peace and righteousness, and thanksgiving. We thank you, Lord, that you accept us once again. And we praise your name. May God bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you. Have a great day.